0: Welcome to the Center Maryland Lobby Pod, we are coming to you with a series of pods from a live appearance at the Maryland Association of Counties Winter Conference. Our first guest is none other than the county executive of Maryland's biggest county, I call it the big county. He's the two-term county executive from Mon- Montgomery County, Maryland, and his name is Mark Elrich. Look forward to welcoming Mark Elrich to the podcast. Hi, this is Damien Nodarty, and we're here at the lobby of the MAKO Winter Conference with three-term county executive. What well, call it the big... Two-term. Two-term. two-term?
1: Yeah, I gave him another three term. Three to Three to come. <laughs>
0: Two-term county executive from Montgomery County. I call it the big county, being from Baltimore. Uh, tell us what's going on with your agenda for Montgomery County.
1: Um, I mean, we're doing pretty good. We've uh, kind of weathered COVID probably better than most. Um, we've seen pretty healthy economy. We've got at record levels of reserves. We were a county that struggled to get to 10% reserves. We had never achieved that goal when I came in. We ended this year at 17% reserves. So, you know, we, we are be able to bring in revenues, we're seeing real growth in life sciences. So I've taken this initiative with the University of Maryland to open a, a center for the Institute for Health Computing It'll be located where it used to be called Whitefoot, now it's north Bethesda. They're gonna build a real school there, graduate level research in AI, as it applies to medical data, but also medical research. So it's, it's our first graduate-level program in the county from the University of Maryland. So it's a big deal. They think it's going to be a big deal. So, you know, we've really been able to push. You can go to the Montgomery County now, you can actually see cranes going up. So, so you know, we've, we're actually able to do the kind of things we know we need to do to try to build a tax base there. Uh,
0: Talk about that, because I know there were some taxes raised in the last... Budget. Yep. Uh, you have often talked about sort of the differences or disparities between the way a competitive jurisdiction like the Commonwealth of Virginia, particularly yep. in Northern Virginia, taxes versus what you are authorized to do, and what kind of complexities that can. Can you break that yeah. down a little bit, and for, for laymen like me?
1: So, so last year was an anomaly. It was strictly driven by the school system coming in and asking for three hundred million dollars over their previous budget, for which the county has no normal way of raising that kind of money. And, but most of us for salaries, the county is stunningly not competitive in salaries anymore. For our, teachers for and Teachers theory. and staff, and our per pupil spending is down $3,000 from 12 years ago. So we've got real structural issues. So, because it was mostly teacher salary, I felt it was important. If we're not competitive on pay, no one's going to live. It in the most expensive county and accept pay that is not competitive right. for other people. Right. So that's why I put it in, the council wound up at about five cents, everybody will, will mostly live and get this done. The bigger issue, and that's what's kind of coming to roost now, um, in over a decade ago in Northern Virginia, when developers wanted support for transportation projects, their council said, we don't have any money. And they reached an agreement to jointly go to the state legislature, then run by Republicans and a Republican governor. And the legislature gave Northern Virginia counties the ability to create these special taxing districts with only commercial property taxes. And that enabled Virginia to explode. You look at Tyson's Corner in 2008 and Tyson's Corner now, you would not recognize the place. They're able to bring in major transit projects. Every county over there is funding bus rapid transit projects on top of everything else they're doing. Arlington, this county with an $800 million budget, floating a $285 million bond that I couldn't even do in Lickerman County. So
0: the, so the development community, the business community, the neighborhoods, they can sort of circle out an area yeah. and say, we're all going to come together and allow the government to tax us in this area, and then all that money goes to
1: projects. that area. And, and so it can't be used for social programs. So the business community doesn't have to worry, this is a backdoor to funding mental health or anything else like that.
0: God forbid. So God forbid. You don't want to do that.
1: So it's, it's straight out, um, has to be used for transportation infrastructure, which is basically an investment, which is why the Virginia developers looked at it and said, this is an investment. They're taking our money, we pull it together, we make investments in infrastructure, the infrastructure creates an environment where people want to come. We don't have the ability to do that. No, none of the counties are that kind of local taxing authority. If you do raise taxes, you have to raise residential and commercial at the same time. It's a total poison pill. So, to try to get the money you need, now you're hitting residents. Residents will look at the commercial residential split and say, and we're paying for most of this. We're right. not interested.
0: In the Virginia model, the residents can say, we'll take all those amenities and the development will come with it. You, business community, are going to pay for
1: it. But also, the, you know, you think about budgets. When these things are operating they fall on basically the residents because commercial property doesn't pay a piggyback tax to montgomery county it's the residents to fund the base of the operating budget so we're going to wind up putting the bill for you know the servicing of the transit and the things we need to do but getting the capital in the project from the development community is really important and it works in virginia my numbers i I love using this because um they come out of They come out of D.C. study. D.C. compares Montgomery, oh, compares themselves to all the surrounding jurisdictions on commercial and residential property taxes. So on residential, D.C. is the lowest tax area in the region. Montgomery County is number two. Huh. You don't hear that often. No, particularly because developers don't want to say I, I was in this debate with this guy, and he said, we oh, were over taxed and I went, I said, I know what you build in Virginia. Here's the list of your taxes. I don't have any of those taxes. Um, so they were able to, to raise a lot more money over there than we were able to raise. So D.C. study said on commercial property tax, Montgomery County is the lowest tax district in the entire region, and we are. The, the easiest number is Tyson's Corner today. If you, were, if you are in Tyson's Corner, your property tax commercial is fifty. Montgomery County, your property tax is four. Wow. And leaving out state, but right, right. But what goes to the county is a buck four here and a buck fifty there in DC with the lowest residential property taxes because their property, their property taxes are 85 cents. We'd all dream, but they're 85 cents because the commercial rate on properties over five million dollars is a buck eighty nine. So other jurisdictions have these different rates, they're able to bring in capital, they make the investments, and they grow. Places like like Montgomery County have a transit system we struggle to build. We've talked about BRT for over a decade.
0: You have had an amazing bus system for decades, uh, relative to many other parts of the state of Maryland. Maybe not relative to the region, right?
1: But it's not rapid, right? And that's the difference in Silverline and us. I mean, I can I can get you there, but you're gonna take a long looping and slow route to get there. And so, if I'm, going to, if I'm going to be competitive, if I'm going to get an employer to say I want to be here, they need to know that their employees are going to get there in a reasonable amount of time, not spending an hour back and forth on transit. You could do that by car if you're going to suffer. So, we've got to figure out how to do better. But there's a real clear path. We think, you know, we're poised to, to move forward with the number three life sciences center in the entire country. Went from number four. We've got these new opportunities. AstraZeneca just made an so announcement. So it's like biomedical. Yeah. Right oh, yeah. Fall. The AstraZeneca is the world. They just okay. made a big announcement about another expansion in Montgomery County. They're already, you know, over a million square feet. So we see this is where our future is. We've done recruiting for the first time. We're trying to get some manufacturing in the county. We've never, we, Montgomery County has never had a reputation as a manufacturing place. That's but true. we see opportunities for it and so we're going after them. Um, I've always been a supporter of uh, maintaining light industrial zones, park and planning, spent years trying to destroy the, the light because yeah, they should have expensive housing there. They don't realize how many jobs are packed into those areas. So we're trying to you know, preserve what's left of light industrial, but then also bring more people in and make zoning more forgiving to allow people to do light industrial activities in more places. Um, we've been working on conversions in the, the, My developer friends wrote a a nasty letter, you know, about converting offices in Montgomery County and we need to help them. And it's like, uh, we've already done like three lab spaces from office to lab. Uh, We've done office to residential. We're totally on board with this. If you have specific issues you want us to address, there's this thing, you pick up the phone and you say, here's some of the things we ran into. Can you help us work with permitting? But we want to do it because there's no point in leaving these businesses sitting empty.
0: Yeah, I hear a lot of like, Demand for and appreciation for <laughs> flexibility in yep. governance from you. Talk to me about uh, the struggles of being sort of hemmed in by the state county uh, construct or, or what maybe we can be doing about that or ways you can get help from the state.
1: I mean, what, what people did like 10 20 years ago might have been perfectly suitable and, and maybe all the everything was better defined, but there's a lot more flex now, you know, industrial. If you said industrial twenty thirty years ago, people picture smoke, noise, and pollution. Now it's data centers, right? Well, or or it's um, manufacturing, additive manufacturing with uh, uh, what are those? The three D printers, printers. or it's lab work. It's you know manufacturing drugs, which is that's infrastructure
0: for tomorrow's workforce. Yeah, that you're building,
1: and we're looking to invest. The state's got a project. They've asked it's the biotech council of the state. Uh, we're probably going to go into that project and support it. We've got another major US government research facility that we'll be announcing doing a joint um, incubator with. So we're stepping out of what had been the county's traditional comfort zone and trying to figure out where else do we go with this. So we've got, we've talked to a solar manufacturer, we've talked to a couple of drug manufacturers. Uh, it's sort of like we're open for business. You've got places we can put you. If we run into flexibility issues, if we're too rigid about some of the things we do, then we can look at protective. You know, my, my concern is always just, I don't want to denigrate the residential environment because those people actually have to live here. And if they don't live in places they want to live in, this is not going to work really well. So you've got to preserve these things, but they're separate enough you should be able to do that. I
0: feel there's an amazing culture in Montgomery County whether it's the diversity and all the languages which translates to amazing restaurants uh, yeah. uh all of that but oddly in the in the in the sort of shadow of the Washington Post there's very little local news coverage how do you get that story out about oh, all the culture all the things uh, all the your flexibility and governance all those kinds of things that local people would love to learn and even yeah. people outside the jurisdiction like, would love to learn. How do you, just, how do so you, you look at my
1: it? newsletter my newsletter has grown from a very small thing to a weekly newsletter that talks about a lot of stuff that's either happening in Montgomery County or that the government is doing in Montgomery County. And it's not all boring, here's our latest program to deal with this. But we, we've tried to make it more engaging. I do a weekly um, briefing to the county so people get you know an email from me every week right. talking about major issues we're dealing with. That's real currency. With. And, you know, not many officials do a weekly press conference. I get right. in front of the press every week. Right. Say, this is what I'm, you know, I talk about this, but you can ask me a question. about uh, anything. think you guys have. Some weeks, they have no questions. And it's probably because we've been pretty transparent about what we do. But The Post has probably been one of the most irresponsible journalist endeavors. I mean, they came in, they bought up The Gazette, which was a local newspaper. Right, sure. And then they closed it. And they closed it, and they were, oh, we're going to have our own, because they used to have these little regional sections. You got a Montgomery County section, D.C. section. Right. Virginia. Right, I remember. So, so they buy it up, saying that we're going to do this, and then no sooner is the Gazette gone than they collapse and destroy their local reporting. They have fired all of the experienced local reporters. So they seem to have no sense of obligation or responsibility to providing information people to people broadly. Unless they want to write something bad about me, in which case they have unlimited <laughs> ink, ink to spend on that, but they really don't tell our story. They don't tell anybody else's story. I mean, they, you don't get. I think sense. it conveys
0: like it used to. That Washington Post endorsement uh, uh, it used I've, to be the. You know, I remember when Chris Van Hollen beat uh, Mark Shriver. That was the decisive blow. So
1: I, I've survived the non-endorsement <laughs> yeah, uh, not, for many years. People would
0: argue it's been more than a non-endorsement, right? Yeah, it's kind of like an
1: over-the-top you know, ad campaign ad for my opponent, which is what they do. They turn the post into their campaign ads. I know what they do. I mean, it's like you get to be dumb not to see it. But all that said, I mean, it, I don't think it, serves, it don't even serves them very well. Because national news is so available from so many different media outlets. I have no incentive to go to the Washington Post page any more than the New York Times page or God knows any other you know, media service, so to not have that local hook, which is something that people look for, and it was really good for local merchants, because they could advertise in these local papers, so they, they've That's taken right. away the revenue sourcing themselves, they've given less advertising support to the commercial sector, the people they're supposed to love, but maybe Bezos doesn't care about that, because he's got this other involvement. Um, Who knows what he's thinking? But they really have made journalism much worse than it was, and it's very hard to start a paper. I have a friend who, you know, he ran the Tacoma voice. At one point, he expanded the voice to a Silver Spring voice and a Kensington voice, but it takes money and staff. Yeah.
0: Center Maryland knows that. Yeah, but we yeah. also thank you for donating Stuart Bainham to the Baltimore area. He's done a, a great service to that uh, uh, news starved area. Uh, I
1: like so it. we've talked about you know the possibilities of what they could do in the D C region. I mean their journalism is certainly, you know, more local friendly. Yeah. And engaged. And, and they got some culture in there. It's just yeah. it's fun to it's
0: fun to see somebody talk about Baltimore in yeah. a in an everyday kind of way. I knew
1: Sir when he, you know, he was in the legislature sure. when he ran. For, I actually supported him when he ran for Congress. Wow! Wow!
0: Wow! Uh, Against Connie Morella. Yeah. Yeah, and in the primary too. Eh? Yeah.
1: And when I saw him, you know, in the legislature, what struck me, the guy was not drinking. He yeah, right. was not partying. He. Understood what his job was, and his disdain for some of the cultural things that go on, Yeah, I actually like. It's like yeah. you know he's elected. seriously kind. You yeah. know he's very yeah. serious, very kind. He's deliberate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, I think you know the banners are a real good addition. If they can eventually find their way into the D.C. market, I'd like to see that brand of journalism. Right,
0: bring them on down. Uh Last question for you, I put you on the spot a little bit. Governor Westmore. Moore. Yeah. Almost a year in. What's your take from the big can?
1: Um, I like working with them. I can actually work with yeah. them. We work with his staff. Um, they've been you know, generally supportive. I'm like everybody else. I'm concerned about what they've done with transportation, but I get it. You know, A, right. they're out of money. B, if I'm the governor, because I had to do this last year as a county executive, when you have to go out and be by yourself and say I'm raising taxes, yeah. it's a tad unpleasant. Um, when you thought that the, county, the state was going to be well enough off that you weren't going to have to raise taxes and then discover not as well off as advertised when Governor Hogan left and you actually may need to do things, it needs to be a process where all the legislators get involved. That's probably why my proposal for the, for the Giving Locals Authority takes some of the pressure off the state and said so we have to raise everything for everybody. Right. Out of the state legislature letting us raise for projects which is also a lot easier the reverse of getting the state to spend on things outside their districts is if i do a project in Montgomery county i can say look we're going to raise these taxes but it's building this and in two or three years you're going to see this and this is going to result in these other benefits and they don't wonder where the money's going and for the developers you know our system right now is impact taxes they don't know where the money's going. There's no guarantee that it'll right. be spent That's where the right. money came from. So I've said to them, i said this for a couple of years now, we'll get rid of the impact taxes. If I have this, I don't need that. I can't bond them. I need a source of money I can bond against so I can float 20 or 30 year bonds, which minimize the annual expense so that we can actually build the things that everybody says they want, but it's not willing to step up and do it. So I'm sounds the guy, like there's some common ground there to work some on some of the guy who will step up and do things and i'm not afraid of you know talking about infrastructure and taxes I mean, i think it's it's the real world you can't want nice things and i tell people all the time it's like you keep pointing to virginia particularly the developer folks i said so look at what they did look at the tax structures they put in place and that their brethren asked for because that what's that's what set them apart from us and they're spending money on transportation that we can never even do. Right. And so if that's what They're you are trying want,
0: to figure out how to get a bigger piece of the pie. You're talking about making all new pies, different pies.
1: I knew the different pie because, you know, when the school system <laughs> takes half your capital budget. That's right. And then everything else is fire stations, libraries, and all the things you have to do and other road repairs and things. There's no room there for a major transportation project. That's right. In Virginia, they did the silver Line. right i mean hello right every jurisdiction over there has got a bus rapid transit project under on right. way montgomery county has none of that so my goal is if you like what you see someplace else don't just be envious ask yourself how they got it and then go about doing what they did because if it worked for them it will work for us
0: fair enough with mark elrich the two-term montgomery county executive feels like you've been there I mean, you came up from the council, and, yeah, so, and so I, I, I feel like you've been there for a generation. This is
1: like 17 years there if you count the council. You're going to look at statewide
0: office? No. Come oh, on. I like the county.
1: I like a place where, you can, where what you do, you can pretty quickly oh translate yeah. into visible results. Yeah, I agree. And I don't want to be in a place where I've got to fight with so many different people, so many diverse. It's hard enough pulling the county together. <laughs> I know... I know what we can do there. And also, I, mean, I know the people there better than I would know anyplace else. I, mean, I grew, grew up in this place since i That's right. So I'm not a stranger.
0: <laughs> You've showed your opponents the hard way how that works. Thank you so much hey, for coming so on much. Center Marathon. Yeah,
1: it's a This blast. is the
0: man you want to talk to if you have a long-form uh, media outlet or podcast. He's uh, terrific to hear you talk it all out.
1: Thank oh, you. I'll actually answer questions. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Peace
0: awesome. All
1: right.